Welcome, everyone, to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Ron on ESPN. ESPN.com, Giants reporter. And we're here in week one of the NFL season, so get excited. We're actually going to see football on the field at MetLife Stadium. The Giants, they're playing the Monday night game, one of the two Monday night games, against the Pittsburgh Steelers at MetLife Stadium. Of course, there will be no fans. This is the COVID-19 era. That's how this season is going to start. Fans are not allowed at games at MetLife Stadium, so it'll be an empty stadium. It'll be a little different feel. The broadcast will probably be a little different, but guess what? We're going to have football. A little sense of normalcy is creeping in now. A little each week, a little bit more, right? A lot of you, at least for me, school started this week for the kids. Now football's starting. So you're really starting to feel like you're back in your everyday mix. I'm back at work. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Feeling like you need a marketing degree and an extra day in your week to successfully market your small business? Let Constant Contact do the heavy lifting for you. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has powerful tools that make it easy to grow your audience, engage your customers, and sell more to boost your business. Now, in just a few clicks, you can launch a marketing campaign that's tailored to your business and goals. That includes email, social, SMS, and more. So you can sell more, raise more, and fast-track your business growth. Plus, you can always count on Constant Contact's award-winning customer support for guidance along the way. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Constant Contact. Helping the small stand tall. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Right? So you're getting the feel like, okay, life is getting back to, in some sense, obviously there's some major changes still. We're walking around with masks. There's still limitations, but some normalcy. Now, let's not mess around. This is going to be a big episode, right? We got predictions for the season, for this week's game expectations. We're going to talk with ESPN NFL insider Field Yates. We're going to talk about what you should expect maybe from individual players this season. Saquon Barkley, Evan Ingram, uh, even the wide receiving crew, Daniel Jones, who there are some people out there that love them. And we're also going to get a little bit into fantasy. That, that sort of fields avenue as well. So we'll give you a little twist on what you should expect or who you should like and maybe want from the Giants on your fantasy team as well. But we're not going to mess around any longer. I have, and I know this is surprising for some of you, because I've been very critical of this Giants franchise over the years. 
the past couple of years, and for good reason, they haven't been good. They are literally the worst team in the NFL over the last three years. The worst. But I'm a little bit more optimistic this year. Now, we'll get to the season in a minute, but I'm going to go straight to it. And I'm going to tell you, I'm picking the Giants to win this week. Pull the upset against the Pittsburgh Steelers as five-and-a-half-point underdogs, right? I know some people think I'm crazy. The Steelers, some people think they're going to be the best team in the league. But this is week one. They haven't played preseason games. A lot of crazy things can happen. And if there's one thing, and this is, this is where I'm looking at it, if there's one thing that Steelers defense, which is supposed to be really good this year, really good, if there's one thing maybe they're a little bit more vulnerable than other areas, it's against the run. And let me tell you something about the Giants this year, okay? Saquon Barkley. This offense is going to be built around Saquon Barkley, and he is going to have a huge year. Of course, it's all contingent on him staying healthy, but Saquon Barkley is going to have a big year. When you look at the Giants' offense, let's look at their offensive line for a second. You have Andrew Thomas, who's a rookie left tackle. You have Cameron Fleming, who's really been a swing tackle, a backup for most of his career, really for his entire career, as the right tackle. You have Nick Gates, a first-time starter. He, we, I'm expecting him to start at center. Okay, and then you have Will Hernandez and Kevin Zeitler at guard. That group, almost to a man, what is each of them better at at this point? They're all probably better run blockers than they are pass blockers. So if you're Joe Judge, if you're Jason Garrett, if you're the Giants offensive staff and you're sitting down and you're going to devise a game plan, what are you going to come up with? You certainly aren't going to alienate the run real quick. You are going to try to get the ball in Saquon Barkley's hands. And let's be clear about this. They're not just going to run power. Power runs left, you know, uh, pulling guards and try and, you know, stick one right up the gut. That's not what this offense, I don't think that's what it's going to look like. They're going to try and get Saquon Barkley into space because when Saquon Barkley can get into space... He can do major damage. And that's not only in the run game. That is also in the pass game. And I'm not just talking about screens and stuff. I'm talking about working Saquon Barkley down the field as a receiver because there are not many safeties or if it's a linebacker, forget about him. They have no chance to guard him. Even safeties, most safeties in this league cannot stick with Saquon Barkley as a pass catcher and route runner. Now, the, the, the key here is the Giants offensive staff is going to have to devise a scheme, which I believe they have, and game plans where they can get him into those matchups. So I think you're going to see that. And I thought Pat Shermer was – we all thought Pat Shermer was going to do it, but it just didn't happen. You didn't see that choice route where he just turns it inside and goes down the middle of the field and all of a sudden Saquon Barkley's in space and he's deking guys and he's throwing that stiff-arming guy's faces – and he's turning five, seven, eight, ten yard runs in I mean pass passes in the middle of the field into twenty or thirty yard gains. And I do think we're gonna see more of that this year. So that's part of what gives me optimism in week one. Also, remember, against the Steelers, this is Joe Judge's first game. This team is going to be one of the strengths of this team, I believe, is gonna be that they're not gonna 
shoot themselves in the foot, something they've done consistently over the past few years. They're going to be good at that. You know, Joe Judge is going to hold these guys accountable. There's going to be less of that this year. That comes into play week one. When the play overall might be a little sloppy, who is who makes the fewest vital mistakes? So I think the Giants are in good shape there in that regard. And then you look on the other side, and the real story, the big story of this game nationally, by the way, is going to be Ben Roethlisberger is, is playing in his first game back. He missed pretty much the entire season last year. So he's coming back. Everyone just assumes Roethlisberger's back. They're going to be a dominant offense. I just don't see it that way. I'm sorry. I just don't see the Pittsburgh Steelers being this great dominant offense and Ben Roethlisberger coming back and playing at the highest of high levels. I'm sorry. I think that it's going to be a little slow start. I remember when I was covering the Eagles back in the day, Donovan McNabb broke his ankle years ago. And he came back that next year, and the first few games were a little rough. It took him a little while to get going. I think the Eagles even started. That's when they were really, really good, winning the division every year. They started 0-2, and he got off to a really slow start. Now, I'm not saying this is a little different era, and they're going to make life easier. He's Ben Roethlisberger never, you know, he's not a huge runner anyway, although he did, he was really good at navigating the pocket, but it's it's not just he's not just going to come back and throw for 400 yards. I just I don't see that. I don't see that. Even though the Giants' defense, yes, it has its question marks. But let's take a look. Let's for a second at what the Giants' defense might look like. At least what I think it's probably going to look like on Sunday. We'll start with the secondary. Okay, at the corners on the outside, you're probably going to have James Bradbury on one side. So you're definitely going to have James Bradbury on one side. And then Corey Ballantyne on the other. Now, Ballantyne is the big question mark. He struggled at times throughout this summer, especially in coverage. The Giants, I mean, they know that they're weak at that spot. But I don't expect, don't expect Logan Ryan to fit that role, right? He was signed pretty much as a safety. Dave Gettleman went and said, so, said as much, basically. So... And he's still getting used to and acclimated to this defense. Same goes for Isaac Yadam, who the Giants traded for from the Broncos. So they're getting used to this defense. So I don't see them getting thrust in and to a starting type role. Like they'll be used maybe in specific packages, specific instances. So it's Ballantyne and Bradbury on the outside with Jabril Peppers and Julian Love as the main safeties. And the other guys being used sporadically in sub packages. All right. And then you want to talk about the pass rush? How about you're probably going to see, and this is the way the depth chart was listed by the Giants. Of course, this is unofficial, and I'm saying that with air quotes. O'Shane Zimenez and Lorenzo Carter as the starters on the outside, and Marcus Golden as a backup. Now, I wouldn't make too much of that because the way this is probably going to play out is the Giants are going to use all three together a lot, right? And that's essentially going to be their their rush package. All three of those guys are going to find ways onto the field. And in order to do that, when you do that, remember, teams play the nickel package, what, 60% of the time? 65% of the time? So Marcus Golden, O'Shane Zimenez, Lorenzo Carter, those are their three edge rushers, primary. And then throw Kyler Fackrell in the mix. He'll get some snaps too. They're all going to play big roles. There's going to be enough snaps to go around for all of those guys. Because their defensive linemen in particular are not these big pass rushers. So you're not going to see them in on typical passing downs. 
or when the other team spreads them out and goes 11 personnel with three three wide receivers, you're going to see a lot of one or two defense alignment on the field at the same time. Now, as for the linebacker spot, I'm expecting uh, Blake Martinez to be the signal caller. He's a captain. He's the middle linebacker. Devontae Downs, he's the he'll be that other starting in starting again air quotes inside linebacker because he'll be the rundown guy. Now, when they go into the nickel and sub packages, he'll be off the field. So, he'll be a starter by by term, right? You'll you'll you'll, you'll call him the starter, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to play a majority of the snaps. And I mentioned before the Giants offensive line, let's go left to right, Andrew Thomas, rookie left tackle. Expect up and up and downs. Will Hernandez left guard, Nick Gates over Spencer Pulley, likely the starting center. And then right guard, Kevin Zeitler. And right tackle, Cam Fleming. That's what we saw most of the summer. That's what I expect in week one. And they're going to have their hands full because this, this is a good Steelers defense. But if they're vulnerable in one spot, it's that running game. I believe they were 14th in the league last year. So... If you're the Giants, you're not just going to go back and sling it around and let Daniel Jones throw 35 to 40 times. If they do that, we're going to look directly at the coaching staff or because they're in a huge hole early. Because if you let T.J. Watt and Bud Dupree and the rest of the Steelers defense go and get after Daniel Jones, it's going to lead to problems. So I think the Giants are going to run the ball. Saquon's going to have a huge game, 27-25 to Giants victory. Now let's talk about the season, all right? The Giants are still going to take their lumps. They're not a great team. They're not overly deep. They probably can't handle or absorb too many injuries. Really coming into week one, the only one you got to worry about is Golden Tape. I think he'll probably be limited a little bit. We'll see how the week goes along and by the time Monday comes around. But he's on the field practicing, which is a good sign. You know, he uh, his role will probably include uh, punt returns when he's healthy. Week one, who knows? Because here's the thing with Golden Tate. The Giants can't just throw him out there, get out there week one at all costs because they have another 15 games to worry about. And they want Golden Tate to be part of that three-man rotation at wide receiver with him, Darius Slayton, and Sterling Shepard. So they, they don't just want to throw him in there, give him 60 snaps on offense, have him return punts uh, with a hamstring. I believe it's a hamstring. It appeared to be a hamstring injury. That what, 10 days ago he pulled? So that's the Giants' injury concern week one. And they can't absorb, like I said, a lot of injuries overall. So overall, I mean, the the number that they have in Vegas on their win total I think is dead on, six. Like, I'm predicting six wins. Do I think they could get seven? Yes. Do I like what I've seen from Joe Judge, his attention to detail, the way he seems to explain things and teach? Absolutely. So there's reason for optimism. But this team is still going to take their lumps a little bit. They have a young quarterback, an offensive line, which is still not quite there yet, and a defense, quite frankly, that lacks any real difference makers, playmakers. Now, hopefully there's a guy or two that steps up. But until we see it, we don't know who that guy is and really if he's even on the roster. So the defense will be up and down. I think they could be decent. Middle of the road is a, is, a, is a success. So with the middle of the road defense and still some holes on offense, I'm saying 6-10, 7-9 for this Giants team. If they go 8-8, eight and eight, that's a good season. You say, 
okay, they made some real strides. They're headed in the right direction. Nine and seven, ten and six, that's beyond expectations. Everything would have to go right for them, and I'd be be very surprised. I'm on record saying if the Giants win nine or ten games, I'll be shocked. Okay? They make the playoffs or anything like that, I'll be stunned. I don't think they're quite there yet. In my mind, this is kind of like, this is year one and a half of the rebuild. Right? Because they, they really should have done it two, three years ago. They didn't. It took time. Daniel Jones, they drafted him last year. And then he didn't start the season, remember, as a starter. So now he's a starter full-time for the first time in his career, week one. So year one and a half of the rebuild. That's where I look at this team right now. So real quick before we move on, let's talk about the final cuts and just with the roster that the Giants are bringing into this game. I don't think there were too many shockers out there. I was a little surprised by Ryan Connolly being cut, being waived, and then he was subsequently claimed by the Minnesota Vikings. The front office, the previous regime, they loved his instincts, his uh, you know feel for the game, but... Let's be honest. He was a fifth-round pick, and the reason he was cut is you're talking about a fifth-round pick who wasn't a great athlete in the first place, who then tore his knee. Okay, The Giants just didn't think he was a great player, this new coaching staff, this new regime. They looked at him on the field. They saw what they saw. Instincts can only take you so far in this league. You could be the smartest guy in the league. You need some athleticism and some physical ability, and they just didn't see that to the point where they thought Ryan Connolly was going to be a difference-making player, which is what some in the front office and the previous regime thought because his instincts, his instincts, his instincts. So was I surprised? Yes, a little bit, that they, that they waived him. I thought they would give him time coming back from the injury, see where that went. But look, it's pretty clear there's a new man in charge around here. Okay, Joe Judge is a big part of these decisions. You know Dave Gettleman would have waited on his draft pick from last year if it was strictly up to him. But everybody has input. And Joe Judge's input is not discounted. And his coaching staff. So they cut him. I was also surprised that Corey Coleman got released. I thought Corey Coleman, he did everything they asked for him this summer. Got better as the few weeks of training camp went along. Made more and more plays. Was able to get downfield and make plays late in camp. Make plays in the, the, fin- the final scrimmage. Uh, over the middle. Tough catches. So I am surprised that Corey Coleman was released. And the only reason he was released was, A, they claimed C.J. Board a few weeks back. They have confidence in him as a receiver. And then they claimed a wide receiver after final cuts, and that ultimately pushed Coleman out. So those are the two that I looked at, and I was like, eh, interesting moves, not exactly what I expected. So the Giants' final roster Heading into week one does not have Corey Coleman and does not have Ryan Connolly. Are these guys that ultimately are going to make a difference in the win total between, you know, the Giants winning six games and eight games? No. They're just not. You're talking about realistically back-end-of-the-roster type guys. You know, Corey Coleman was going to be probably the fourth receiver at best, and Ryan Connolly appeared to be a backup linebacker all summer. So... You know, the Giants weren't getting cut starting players. And I know a lot of people were really high on Ryan Connolly, but we have to get over it. Fifth-round pick, 
did a little played a few games last year did a did some good things but he was not a world beater and this is kind of the problem that we've had around here recently last few years you're searching so hard to find players that you're making too much out of guys like just because he had a modicum of success just a little bit a sliver of success at linebacker he was automatically catapulted into this high level starting caliber really high-end uh, linebacker, which I don't think was ever probably realistic expectation for him. So be realistic. And remember to keep that in mind as we move forward here because they have a lot of guys on that defense that are like that. They have a lot of decent starters, but that doesn't mean that these guys are going to turn into Pro Bowl players or difference makers on the defense. That would be nice if one or two of them did, but we're going to have to wait and see for that. But let's get deeper into the Giants. We'll go to our special guest here. On to the next one. All right, we're joined by NFL insider Field Yates, who's going to help us break down the 2020 New York Giants and the NFC in general. Field, welcome. How's it going? It's good to be back on the show, Jordan. All is going well, all things considered. And uh, as we are having this conversation, we're just a little over 24 hours from the first NFL game of the season. And We'll not get back to normal for quite some time, but no, I do wonder not. if we will not. But football will hopefully provide some hope and optimism uh, for not just people that are involved in the NFL day-to-day like yourself and mine, but also those that love the game. And I hope that uh, those who are you know passionate about the Giants or any other team are going to look to football as something that can maybe distract them temporarily from some of the hardships that we're all enduring right now during this unprecedented time. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm kind of interested to see how this is going to go. Because without preseason and just there's so many other sports going on, I'm wondering if the sport is going to blow up like it does every year. I mean, it's obviously going to be huge because it's the NFL, but is it going to be to the degree that we're used to, right? I think, and, and you know this, the fantasy drafts was like the first little taste of, okay, now we're really close, right? Because that means you're right on right on the precipice of the real season and, and then you're, you're just getting excited, so... Uh, I, I'm curious about how it's going to be received, to be honest with you. Yeah, I'm with you. I think the uh, I think the audience to be very strong, and I think to your point, it's obviously part of my work or a big part of my work in playing ESPN is on the fantasy side, and I'll be the first to concede, and this is not trying to take away from what we do, but a huge part of our job in fantasy football is projecting, right? I mean, we're guessing. There's 22 variables on every play, and as much as I think I know what might happen with Evan Ingram on a given Sunday afternoon, (laughs) it may be a byproduct of what happens by the work of Andrew Thomas and Will Hernandez. Yeah. you know, maybe they don't pick up a block or they do pick up a block. And that's the difference between Evan Ingram having a, you know, four catch for 100 yard in the touchdown day or a three catch for 65 yard and zero touchdown day. So um, it's a huge projection this year, even more so, right? I mean, yeah, more uh, uncertainty uh, than ever, for sure. For sure. I mean, we're excited about players that we haven't seen previously in new roles or with new teams or however you want to put it. Um, but you know, we've got guys that we think are going to be great, right? right. Like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, 
He has not played a single down. <laughs> you know, we've got, you know, now the Giants are a good example of how you have to be careful just downplaying the possibility of rookies because Saquon Barkley became the best player in fantasy football yep. right away as a rookie. At the same time, it's a little bit more comforting when you can at least see, you know, we at least saw some of Saquon during the preseason. Not a lot, but some. So it's a, um, a unique year in so many ways. And uh, I said this on our podcast a couple of days ago is – my one ask to the fans is be a little patient with us. I'm not yeah. saying that we're not going to try our best, and of course we are trying our best, but be a little patient because we're learning in the same way that I know you talk to coaches, Jordan. Um, coaches are still learning. We, I've, yeah. I've heard from coaches Absolutely. that have said to me, you know, I, I kind of like this player we have, but I haven't seen him you know, get tackled ever. Mm-hmm. And along those lines, there are going to be some things that go as planned, and there are going to be some things that don't go as planned and surprise some people. Yeah, well, I mean, Giants fans, we've been telling that for a while. Be patient, right? Be, you know, we're in the we're in like year six of seven of that for right now for Giants fans. So, but no, all right, we'll get to the fantasy value of a lot of these Giants guys in in a few minutes. But tell me if I'm crazy right now. And I wrote a story. It published today. Today's Wednesday, like you said. I actually think, and I've been a harsh critic of the Giants for several years now. I finally get the impression that. This organization is at least headed in the right direction, right? And I know at least your father, Matthew Barry, he's very high on Daniel Jones, right? <laughs> so you have, the, you have the young quarterback, right? You have the new coach who, I'll be honest with you, I've gotten to know him a little bit. You see a lot of things that inspire confidence, right? You have the young left tackle. We don't know, like you said about Andrew Thomas. But these are, these are building block things. So you have those three things just to start and some really good weapons. Obviously, Saquon Barkley. You finally get the the feeling, and to me, it's like, okay, this organization finally might be headed in the right direction. They're in essentially year one and a half of the rebuild because they, they started almost midway through last year because they didn't exactly start the season with Daniel Jones. How crazy am I to think that for someone who sits there and looks at the roster from a distance? Um, I, I actually think that you're kind of spot on. And, that, and I, Jordan, we have very little patience, obviously, in, in football. That's why – coaches are in and out after a year or two years, three years, and rarely do they have the chance to see it through. But you can really see the foundation and the formation of what the Giants want to do. And um, we spend too much time quibbling over things that happened a couple of years ago and things that uh, people didn't agree with at the time. But at the end of the day, um, the Giants right now, and what, I'm, what I'm sort of tangentially referencing there is whether the Giants made a mistake or right, the right course. direction in drafting Saquon Barkley two years ago, number two overall. But if you look at this team right now, um, I think it's possible, and I'm, you know, who knows exactly how things shake out, but it's possible that for the next six years, for example, you have a quarterback who could emerge as a franchise quarterback. You've got a running back that could be the best in the NFL or right there in the top, let's say, two to five in the NFL. You could have potentially, and these are all you know, a lot of what-ifs here, you could potentially have uh, a left tackle that emerges as one of the best in the NFL. He was the first drafted this year, so certainly he has some credentials just based off of that alone. He better be good. He's the fourth overall pick, you know I mean? You, 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 better, you better bring something to the table. And certainly all the signs suggest that he is going to be a very good player, right? I mean, that's uh, there was a lot to like about his time in Georgia, and I think yep. that obviously, uh, you know, the Giants – uh, say what you want about Dave Gettleman. I know he loves his hog mollies. He's also got a pretty darn good track record of finding some guys different rounds that have gone on to become successful. Um, 
So anyways, I see a vision. I see a direction. And you know, you mentioned how you've gotten to know Joe Judge a little bit uh, in his whatever it's been. I know it's really been seven plus months. Yeah, eight, seven, uh, eight, eight months basically. Yeah. Yeah, but really it's, you know, you've probably only had exposure to him. I'm not sure if you've seen him really. I mean, have you been within like 10 feet of him other than the combine? Right? Yeah, after, the, after the combine, no. I see him from yeah. I see him from a distance. Right. So, um, you know, you're we're all really, we're all learning about him as a head coach. And I think sometimes uh, first year coaches become easy targets just because I thought that some of the stuff that seemed to rile people up this preseason was a little bit misplaced. Like the idea that a head coach has to defend um, his team tackling. Is sort of <laughs> front. I mean, it, it's, it blows my mind that a head coach would ever have to explain the merits of tackling when we 2020 see- field that's 2020 football and, yeah. and life in general isn't it that sums but it up it really, really good yeah. hey it's they really tackled good. that's a, that's a crazy concept i mean <laughs> this is football right my mind right and, and i've heard people like you know I've, I've i've heard people say like you know that's something you shouldn't have to do it's elementary to football you know what quarterbacks do every day every single day you know what patrick mahomes does to begin his practice he takes snaps from under center Right, every single day, every single day, he takes probably 50 snaps before practice begins from his center. Does anybody sit there and say, "Wow, what a complete waste of time that is for Patrick Mahomes"? He should be able to take a snap. No, and I'm, I'm using Mahomes because he's the best quarterback in the NFL. Like, right. I actually am. So I'm a firm believer in Joe Judge. He and this is a term that kind of gets tossed around uh, a ton now, um, including our by our friends and part of my take who kind of corner the market on football guy, but. Uh, <laughs> Joe Judge is a football guy. Yeah, he, he is. He loves hardcore, uh, intense, football-driven and motivated people. And I, some people might look at that as like, uh, you know, that might be something that could become sort of like an internet thing. But Yeah, it's an easy it's joke, right? It's an easy joke. It's it easy really joke. is. But, but what, would you would you prefer someone who's not all in? Like, I, I'm trying to – I'm struggling to figure out what the alternative is. And this is not my – my opportunity to come on your podcast and just defend Joe Judge. I would right. just say that, like, of all the criticism I've heard um, throughout the preseason, that was amongst the things that, to me, were, like, so hard to understand. It's like you've got a passionate football coach, and all of a sudden that's not a good thing. That, to <laughs> me, really was a uh, – that, to me, was mis- – I thought it was just misplaced internet anger. Yeah. No, no, I mean, I agree with you a little bit, and, uh, you know, it, it- – it just makes it easy, right? It's just an easy joke. Hey, football guy, here he comes, you know, bringing in, he's doing the whole Belichick and, and thing. But tell me, I mean, you, you know Joe Judge. You know a lot of people up there. You live in the Boston area who know Judge very well. Now, to me, the reason I think it could work, okay, a lot of people try and bring that same approach and, they, you know, like Belichick and Saban and they're, they're hard asses, right? But... To me, the difference is when I and from what I've known from Joe Judge so far, he's able to sort of bring guys in and hug them and has that ability to communicate with guys on a personal level on top of that. And that to me, that's why I think it has a chance of working from speaking to people that know Joe Judge very well that, you know, what's your take on that? Well, I think you're right in that he does. So I also think that. People, when people say, like, you know, why is he going to try to follow the Belichick model when others have not had the same level of success? He spent the last nine years of his life or eight years of his life learning from the greatest coach in the history of the NFL. He won three Super Bowls during that time. 
is it that wild to think that someone who has won three Super Bowls under Bill Belichick, two national championships coaching with Nick Saban, who has some Belichick in him, and Belichick has some Saban in him, obviously. I believe he won two national championships while he was there as well. Yeah, exactly. So Thanks. is it crazy to think that somebody who could – who would, has, has been in those two uh, systems, for lack of a better term, and has, has had success, would have some mannerisms developed as a result of those people? Like, this is not complicated. You take on, uh, in the same way that you see, like, this positive, infectious spirit of players that play for the Seahawks, you follow the guy that leads them and Pete Carroll, right? This right. is just sort of how it goes. Now, um, to your point, yes, there is the sort of the, the hardened and, side of, of Joe Judge. There is also the compassionate side. And one thing that, and I understand this was not, this is not someone like Ron Rivera, who had an excellent career as a player uh, at the NFL, uh, or other coaches that are in the NFL right now that have uh, a, an NFL resume as a player. Right. But Joe Judge played at Mississippi State. Like, that's not some, there's, that's no small feat to be, you know, be on any, any SEC team. And I think along those lines that Players see a little, of a little bit of a – by no means do you need to uh, be a former coach to be successful as a co- – uh, be, be right. a former player to be successful as a Andy, coach. Andy no Reid, right? Great. Andy Reid, Bill Belichick, uh, many other examples. But it does have a certain relatability that can be advantageous for those that have had that experience, right? Mike Tomlin, very good player, William & Mary. He didn't play in the NFL or anything, but you know what? That's something that makes, and obviously Mike Tomlin's great in so many ways, right? Uh, but that's one of the things you say to yourself, like, all right, like, Mike Tomlin, players might be able to see it a little bit, right? And so I think there is an element of that with Joe Judge that's very important. And then, Jordan, I don't want to oversimplify things too much, but he has a quarterback. And if you have a quarterback, that can really put your franchise on the right trajectory with the head coach. And I'm not saying you could just – sort of butcher all the important steps along the way, but Daniel Jones will play a huge part yeah. in the Giants' success this year and the perception that people have of Joe Judge. When I was talking to Rex Ryan, like that's what he kept stressing me. He's like, I think they're in a great spot. Judge Joe Judge is in a great spot. And like he know like you could say what you want about Rex, but he understands because he was in New York, and he never really had that franchise quarterback. So he knows how big an advantage it is. So he's stepping into – a team that has young players and a young quarterback, which takes us to Daniel Jones. Okay. I joked before your dad, uh, Matthew Barry, you work very closely with Matthew Barry, uh, especially on the fantasy side. And he's big on Daniel Jones this year. He is building up the Daniel Jones hype, especially for fantasy. Thinks he could put up big numbers. Where do you stand on this field? Where are you on the Daniel Jones debate? So Daniel Jones last year in the last half of last season was really, really impressive from a fantasy football perspective, right? Right. And I would say that uh, sometimes being excellent in fantasy football does correlate with being awesome in real football too, right? I mean, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, you name it. All those guys have been awesome. There are those guys, there are many examples of players that have been awesome who have gone on or will go on to be very successful for a long time, both in real and fantasy football. I would say that uh, for Daniel Jones, last year was awesome in fantasy, even if it was not yet perfect in real football quarterback. Play, right. right. 
Well, the turnover is the fumbles, obviously. Sure. I mean, I think he That's led, the downside. led the NFL in total fumbles, whether it was fumbles or fumbles yeah. lost. He led the NFL in total fumbles last year. And 18 total, 12 lost. Huge numbers yeah. considering he didn't even Huge play 16 numbers. games. Yeah. You've got to be much more, uh, much more protective of the football at that uh, position. Um, but I, I am a believer in the overall skill set, right? Like, they're just ridiculous amount of arm talent, which I know is one of those sort of hot button terms that people either hate or love, right? Daniel Jones is going to do work when he has time and space to throw. And I know you know this stat, but for those that maybe haven't been familiarized with it or have forgotten it, last year the Giants had exactly zero snaps with Daniel Jones plus Saquon Barkley plus Golden State, Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram on the field. So This might be the week, Field. This might be the week. Finally. So beyond that, you've got, uh, and obviously Darius Slayton in the mix this year amongst other players that could help them. But you finally have a healthy Giants skill group. And, you know, Jordan, one of the other things that can contribute to fantasy success is having to throw the football a lot or having to play from behind. And I think the strength of this team is going to be the offense. I think the defense is going to have to, you know, work overtime to sort of balance out the offense. But that can be good in fantasy, right? If you're playing from behind too frequently, that's going to lead to lots of opportunities to go ahead and make a mark, right? And um, we saw it last year with, uh, really in some ways, uh, Daniel Jones, but I thought, you know, really uh, the Bucks defense was not great, but James also put them in a lot of bad holes. And then it turned out to, like, end them, like, ends up putting them in a lot of good places for, for fantasy, right? So, right, absolutely. I say, yeah, so uh, I think there's, there's sort of some game script elements that work in the favor of Daniel Jones as well for him to be a really good fantasy player this season. So, Field, okay, that takes us to the fantasy side of it, right? You have to choose between the Giants' three receivers. You know, tough question, right? You got Sterling Shepard, you got um, – Darius Slayton, and you got Golden Tate. Where are you going in that one? Yeah, and I think probably the reality is that you're only choosing one of the three out of those Giants receivers. I think in this case, though, Jordan, it's not just the guy who is ranked highest that makes the most sense, which would be Sterling Shepard, but also based off of his value. So let's start with the player. I know this is intuitive to Giants fans, but you're the eyes on the ground there every day. Um, I think he's the best talent out of the three. I think he's the most consistent out of the three. I agree I with you on that. He is clearly the guy. I agree yeah, with I think you. He's clearly the guy that has the most talent. Yep. Um, so uh, if you look at last year, and I understand that his the number of games he played with Daniel Jones and his own health, it wasn't like he was on the field for 16 games put together right. last year. But um, he had at least six targets in every game last season that he played did Sterling Shepard. That's been pretty consistent for him. Uh, we don't often think about slot receivers as being touchdown makers, right? But he is, um, you know, he is obviously one of the better touchdown makers on that offense. He was awesome as a rookie. He's also going to play more on the outside this year. He's going to play more on the outside this year. Yeah. With Golden Tate getting some slot work, you can see more of those opportunities in the perimeter for Shepard. And in fantasy football, if, if you're a top 30 wide receiver, it generally means that you're going to be started uh, in most leagues that are 10 teams or larger. Sterling Shepard is being drafted as a bench candidate right now based off the fact that he's going 37th amongst wide receivers. Right. So I think the push comes to shove. Um, you're, you're drafting Sterling Shepard as if – he may not be a certain thing, but he could very well be a certain right. thing. So I really like the player. Like the, the risk is, uh, is will he play 16 games? Will he stay healthy? Like yeah. That's that's why that value is what it is, right? Because people aren't sure. He hasn't always he hasn't been able to stay on the field and play those 16 games and put up the big numbers. 
no doubt about that, that that's sort of the thing that drives uh, it down. That drives his price, for lack of a better term, down this season. And, you know, I think sometimes what happens, Jordan, is when a player has a star season, which is how many perceive what Darius Slayton did last year, um, it, it, people think, like, oh, Darius Slayton's going to go crazy this year. And, and no question he'll be more talented um, than he was last season. He'll have a, you know, even if it was unconventional, at least have had an NFL offseason yeah. under his belt. But let's not forget that, like, if you go back and look at his games, he was unbelievable eight touchdowns. But it was also, like, every fifth catch became a touchdown. Right, that's like, a non-sustainable rate, for sure. Right. Not exactly. So I just think that the best bet to have the volume we're looking for, plus the opportunity to score, is clearly Sterling Shepard, who is being discounted far too much, in my opinion, based off his overall ability. Yeah, I mean, I'm... I would probably lean towards Golden Tate only because I'm most confident in him being there and playing throughout the season. He's just a, the most consistent bet to me. Plus, everyone, you know, he's the other two guys are probably gaining more attention. Golden Tate's definitely in the backup range of wide receivers. He's going late at the end of drafts, and I just think he has a chance to be their most consistent guy. But the other big question, okay, here we're going to do some over-unders, Field. Ready? All right. Obviously, this is the big one. We all love Evan Ingram's talent. Evan Ingram, 722 yards. You taking the over or are you taking the under? Obviously, it's the injuries, the injuries. I'm taking the over. I think he's primed for a major season this year. Uh, and I, you're right, injuries, injuries, injuries. I have a hard time sort of projecting injuries going forward. I think sometimes it's just bad luck, right? But 68 targets last year, just eight games. We're talking about six and a half, sorry, eight and a half targets per game. That's absurd, right? Yeah. Uh, Evan Ingram runs like a, like a wide receiver. That's been something we've known since the day he was the NFL combine. Yeah. Um, I, I think that, uh, and while he is not in a contract year, um, he basically is on the clock with his contract, right? So he's yeah, for sure for one right now, but You've seen the market on tight ends, Jordan. We all know that Evan Ingram and any other tight end that's eligible for an extension has watched very closely as Travis Kelsey and George Kittle, before them, Austin Hooper got paid. Yeah, even Austin Hooper. All he's got to do is do Austin Hooper. That's right. And then that money's out there for him, you know? Yep. So he and Saquon are the two players that probably will be the most discussed extensions next offseason for the Giants. And I think if I'm Evan Ingram, I'm saying to myself, 16 fully healthy games means, I would think, $15 million a year starting next season. That's Woo! how talented he is. And, yeah. Uh, and it's a huge number, obviously. Lots at stake. Lots at stake. So I'm going over 722 for Evan Ingram. All right. So Saquon Barkley, the number I saw, I believe it was from FanDuel, 1,199.5 rushing yards. Will he top? Will he get to 1,200 field? Ooh, you know what? I'm going to bet yes again here, Jordan. I'm not trying to just please the crowd because it's a, I'm sure most of your audience is Giants focused, but um, I'm going to go with again over. I know, and I read your piece, uh, and you talked about this, uh, and you again, you're the one that's watching every single day about how was it 2,500 yards could be in play for Saquon Barkley. I really wanted and, to say 2,000, and then 2,500 got brought in, but okay, you know. <laughs> okay, fair. You but know, I mean, two, he's a but two. Still. Look, if he stays healthy, he's going over 2,000 yards this year. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. That's, yeah. how they, that's how they're going to use him this year. Yep, so I'm with you. So I think over 1,200 rushing yards makes sense to me, and um, Christian McCaffrey was brilliant last year. Brilliant. And I have no doubt about, like, to me, it's a clear-cut Christian McCaffrey goes one, um, overall in fantasy football this yeah, year. for sure. But 
to, we were talking about Saquon in the same vein that we're talking about Christian McCaffrey right now last year, right? Yeah. I mean, that's how good he was. Yep. And 91 catches as a rookie, and for as bad as it felt last year, uh, you know a couple of things here, Jordan, but once he returned from injury, uh, Saquon was second behind only McCaffrey in both uh, running back snap percentage and I believe running back snap touches. So, like, of all the Giants running back touches once he returned, he was at something like 78%. It's a ridiculous number, right? When the ball is in the hands of a Giants running back this year, it's going to be Saquon Barkley. Dean yep. Lewis might play a little bit, but I think a little bit is an important thing to stress here. So there's um, only a few of these guys left in the league, and he is one of them. There's no doubt. There, you know, there's only a few of these bell cow type guys where they're the, the clear number one and the only guy who's really going to touch the ball a significant amount, and he's one of them. Yeah, and I think back to as I mentioned a little bit earlier on in the show about how we don't want to rehash the 2018 draft and whether he should or shouldn't have gotten number two overall. But it's funny how frequently when I'm talking about prospects for either this 2020 draft, uh, 2019 draft, or even looking forward to 2021, we're starting to put our eyes on players like Trevor Lawrence and other guys, and how frequently front off people will say, this is the best prospect I've seen since Saquon, or this guy's the right. best prospect I've seen other than Saquon in the past five years. And I get it. The NFL doesn't always size everything up right. That's, that's just part of it, right? But I... I have a certain respect and trust for NFL evaluators, and it, it was clear-cut consensus. I thought I know that the gold jacket player is, is probably a quote that Dave Gettleman will forever be attached to, but I don't right. think he was the only person that was thinking that when they watched Saquon Barkley at Penn State. No, this definitely could be not. a player who could end up at Canton one day. Not only is he a great runner, great receiver, as you know, in college, he was returning kicks for touchdowns and looked yep. like an absolute and he was like a pro bowler as a kick returner. And so <laughs> all of these reasons are long ways of saying that don't be surprised at all whatsoever if Saquon Barkley is the number one running back in fantasy. Before we're, as, as you and I are having this conversation, I've got a draft tonight, the big high-stakes ESPN War Room League, and uh, Lewis Reddick has the first pick. He's been on record saying he would take Clyde edwards Lair first overall in fantasy. If he does that, I expect – uh, number two, this is a draft lottery. So Lewis didn't finish last last year, but he got the first pick based off the draft lottery. Number two, I expect to be Christian McCaffrey, and I've got the third pick. And to me, like, it's not even a question. Yeah, Saquon, Saquon's going to be on your roster. I think that's the way that's going to play yeah. out. So Daniel Jones, 27 and a half touchdown passes. You're high on him. Yeah. Decent number. Can he? Basically, he's going to get the 28 and close to 30 in the 30 range. Yes or no? Because we just talked about how it's going to be a Saquon offense. Yeah, no, but I do think that touchdowns will be there for Daniel Jones. Because I wouldn't be surprised if half a dozen of those went to Saquon as a receiver, right? No, um, definitely not. And it's going to be tough sledding out of the gates, right? Like, I, I am already preparing myself. I don't have to tell this to somebody who works in the New York media that, like, Monday night, if they have a tough time against the Steelers, which is, you know, definitely possible, the Steelers have on paper one of the best probably five defenses in football um that and other than the fact that you know on top of the fact that you know everybody is going to come out with some rust as we get going here um in the nfl uh and defense tends to be a little bit ahead of the curve versus the offense um other than that like i think it's going to be a huge huge season for daniel jones and i think 28 touchdowns which he was at what 24 last year which was tied 24 mayfield 24 tied yep. for the rookie record. So, And that wasn't 16 starts, right? I mean, he, he made only, starts, what, 12, I think? 12 starts in total. And, you know, this was a player that, uh, you know, some of them, like, 
he's prone for a 300-plus yard and five-touchdown game, right? So I think 28 touchdowns is very much uh, – I'm, I'm back-to-back-to-back over here, but I'm over on Daniel Jones. <laughs> I, I really like the offense this yeah. year, and I think for fantasy, like there's a ton of excitement, and it's really well-deserved. Well, let's see how much you basically like their defense now because – and I think this number is like spot on, but over or under – Six wins. That's pretty much what's out there. That's a consensus in the in almost all the sports books. Six wins for the Giants in 2020. Yeah, I think over again. And now I just feel like I'm catering, but that's uh, <laughs> to, to, the, to the to the masses here. But I think over, right? I mean, um, I was so forced to pick, and I only went over because I, my number six. Like I, I think that's uh, that's probably their number. They're going to take their lumps a little bit up and down, but like that's that's a good number. I mean, it's a, yeah. if they go over, it might be like seven. You know. Yeah, I agree on that. And, you know, obviously we don't have as much considerations for, like, home road games this year, right? Yes. Obviously, um, you know, at least for now, only a handful of teams will have fans, and those fans, um, you know, are very limited. So not as concerned about the home road part, but, you know, the division I don't think is, you know, it's, it's, it's got two teams that I think are, are good, potentially very good. Washington, that, that, you know, can sort of maybe potentially pocket two wins there. Yeah. Got they they stink. They schedule. stink. We could be honest. The Redskins stink. Yes. Oh, sorry, the Washington so, football team stinks. Yes. So there, if you just sort of play the schedule out, I think, you know, somewhere, I guess what I, what I, I guess the number that we're really looking for is five and a half, right? And yeah, 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 for sure. One way or the other. So six <laughs> to seven seems reasonable to me. And a lot of that I think will come down to, and I don't think this is any sort of mystery, is if they have any chance of rushing the passer or playing good back-end coverage. And I think that um, it's probably going to take both of those for the defense to carry its weight. And I don't think any of us expecting a, uh, you know, a great pass rush from the Giants. No. I don't think anybody's expecting a great secondary, uh, especially with the injury of Xavier McKinney. So uh, Logan Ryan will certainly help, but cornerback is very thin, and uh, as, as we know. Um, and I think the pass rush, while well, it's got some pieces, and you know, I, I was happy to see, well, I, I'm sure the Giants are happy to have Marcus Golden back. I don't think it's going to be a perfect uh, situation this year for that defense. So they may be behind the eight ball pretty quickly. Yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll be up and down for sure. I, I think this is a multi-year project they're in, and they're just not quite there yet. So, Field, you, you have the Giants at six or seven. What do we got What do we got on the uh, NFC East? What are you thinking? Who would be your think, pick? Um, so my pick would be the – it would be the Eagles. That okay. being said, Jordan. Because there's uh, so the some key injuries. I don't know. I would have probably – it, yeah. it just it makes me a little weary right now. Right. I'm with you. And the, the Cowboys have a lot of things that are lining up in their favor at the moment. But – and, you know, I think I've sort of uh, – and everybody has, has known this. Like the past few years, we've had some concerns about the Cowboys and not just quite necessarily living up to expectations. Maybe a new leaf has turned over because – um, the fact that obviously there's a new head coach and Mike McCarthy taking over for Jason Garrett and a different energy, et cetera, yada, yada. Um, the Cowboys kind of have to earn that trust in my eyes. That being said, one last thing, I don't want to speak out of both sides of my mouth. Go ahead. No first-year head coach is better set up for the opportunity to have a ton of immediate success than Mike McCarthy. The oh, roster sure. is loaded with talents. They spent aggressively this offseason, as we know, obviously other than the quarterback, but you know they were very aggressive with low-risk, high-upside flyers, whether it's Alton Smith, whether it's Randy Gregory being reinstated, <clears throat> things they've done throughout their roster to help uh, be competitive right away. The Cowboys' defense is far from perfect, but the, the offense is loaded, and uh, they could – you know, if they win 11 or 12 games this year, we shouldn't be surprised. No, I agree, but it would be quite the indictment on the Giants' offensive coordinator, though. That's for sure. Oh, uh, well, 
yes. Uh, <laughs> he, he did well. And I think that, you know, obviously, I actually am a Jason Garrett. I'm a, I'm a believer and a fan. And I thought that, like, there was, I would just say he's one of the most respected people in football for a lot of reasons. And it was not perfect in Dallas, but it's really hard to have that kind of run, just period, to be there somewhere for that long. Um, and I think the Giants are lucky and fortunate to have him there uh, in that role, and I think it'll be really good for Daniel Jones. And I think that for and for Joe Judge, for that matter, you can sort of sit there and say on Sundays, I don't got to worry about you know I don't, I don't have to worry that much about the offense. I, I'm, I'm good here. I don't have to worry about what you guys need to do because uh, that's going to be under the guidance of of a very talented and, and, and tenured and respected offensive coach. Yeah, say what you want about Jason Garrett. He's done a very solid job of developing the last two quarterbacks that he's had in Tony Romo and Dak Prescott. So the great field dates, ladies and gentlemen, NFL, ESPN, NFL insider field. Thanks so much, man. We appreciate it as always. Of course. Thanks for having me on, Jordan. Always on to the next one. A big thanks to field Yates for that right there. Now we're going to get into the portion of this podcast that I call Jordan on the beat. It's where I give you a taste of what it's like to be an NFL reporter, to cover the Giants, to cover the Giants for ESPN, and really take you inside what it's like to, to be in this position. So what I was doing was I'm thinking, I'm racking my brain, I'm saying, what was the best opener that I covered since I've been covering the Giants? Now, I've been covering the team. I, I came in the middle of 2013, so I wasn't there for the opener in 2013. So this is my seventh opener. 2014 was my first opener. And when you think back, Really, every opener that I remember, for the most part, has been in Dallas because the Giants play Dallas seemingly every year in, in week one. The other ones, I believe they played the Lions one night in a Monday night game, and uh, they hosted the Jaguars another time. But really, for me, the best opener that I've seen to date, because the Giants have not done very well in these openers, has been, I guess it was 2015. So Victor Cruz gets injured, seriously injured in that early in that 2014 season against the Eagles, tears the patella tendon in his knee, comes back for the opener of that next season, I believe it's 2015, and scores a touchdown, pretty much I think it was the game-winning touchdown, him and Odell do the dance, I think Odell got fined for joining him because you couldn't do group celebrations, and but still, a good win, a good story there, uh, on the road, in Dallas, you know what? That was actually 2016. I'm sorry, 2016, because Victor Cruz uh, missed pretty much 2014 and 2015. Came back 2016. That was the start of the only winning season the Giants have had since I uh, began covering this team. So to me, that was the best story. That was the best storyline. Now I do like all those trips for the most part to Dallas. We usually get around the golfing. It was a tradition. Now this year, everything's thrown for a loop, right? The Giants are playing A on a Monday night at home. They don't play the Cowboys on the road. Nobody's, I mean, the travel is crazy in this country. You, you, there's a good chance I'm not traveling to games this year because the access, I mean, the Giant. there's going to be, all press conferences are going to be Zoom anyway. Now I'll be at the home game Monday night, but road games, that's up in the air. Unless access changes, you can't go down on the field. You can't be down there for pregame. Uh, you can't go in the postgame locker room. You're not going to be able to talk to the coach, at least you know the way the Giants are operating, and I think most teams really. You're not going to be able to, to talk to the coach or any of the players on the side. Everything's going to be Zoom. So 
access is just limited. That's just the way it is in 2020. So there might be no road games for me this year. And, I mean, I've been to every, every game the Giants have played in the regular season and the playoffs since that 2013 season. So you're talking uh, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. So that's six years at 16, at, at 16 games. So I've been to uh, 96 straight games plus another 10. So 106 straight Giants games. And that's likely going to end next week against the Chicago Bears when the Giants play on the road against the Bears next Sunday, which is a shame. But, hey, this is where we're at. You make the best of it. And, you know, I'll, I'll still do my best to provide you the most in-depth Giants coverage I can despite the limitations that everybody's – and it's not just me. And I'm not saying the Giants aren't giving us access. This is just what COVID and the NFL's rules and really where we're at as a society, that's the hand that they're giving us at this point. And you got to make the best of it. So I will do my best. I, don't, I can't even sit here and realistically tell you what the coverage is going to look like this season because I don't think anybody really knows where we're going to be at in a month. Two months, late in the season. I hope we're all in the stadium and it's all back to normal by November, by, you know, October, November, December, who knows, whenever. But is that realistic? Probably not. Who knows? Nobody knows. You know, John Mara, when we spoke to him, I guess it was like a week or so ago, I asked him, you know, how optimistic is he about there being fans at some point this season? He's like, he he hopes there's going to be fans in the stands and in the stadium. But being realistic... He, he's not that optimistic that it's going to be it's going to happen at all this season. So that's where we're at. And the media, we're also dealing with these things. So I will do my best, I promise you. Remember, okay, here's what I'm going to do also. How about on Monday I do a Giants After Dark for you before the game? I will go online and try and answer all your questions. We'll talk about whether it's going to be on uh, Periscope on Twitter or Instagram Actually, I, I, I'd appreciate your feedback. Where, where would you guys most like to see it? Me answer questions on, on Monday afternoon slash early evening and answer all your Giants questions. And as always, tell your friends, subscribe, like this podcast. It's available on all podcast platforms. Week one is finally here, ladies and gentlemen. I'm pumped. I hope you're pumped. Stay tuned. I will be back next week. Wrap up. The first game of the 2020 season. What I think is going to be a huge Giants victory. And if they could pull this one out, there will be optimism. There's no doubt in my mind there will be optimism. So get this victory like I predict, and there we go. The Giants want to know when I talk to you next week. So that's a wrap for this episode of Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Ronan. ESPN, ESPN ESPN.com, Giants reporter. See you next time.